All right, welcome to another episode of the Brain Food Show. Today, well, what are we talking about today? It's <laughs> I, I, stupid people, really stupid people. I mean, kinda, yeah. A couple of dumbbells is the is the probably the, some the, element that'll go under the title. I just I, I was reading through the the notes that you prepared before we started recording today. And the number of times I felt like because we use a, a Google Drive document together, the number of times I almost highlighted the text and like put in a comment in the side of like really ex yeah. uh, really exclamation point question mark yeah yeah uh, pretty much uh, sort of a murder a murder non murder mystery that took the cops no time at all to figure out what had happened. <laughs> no, as, as everyone will see, it's very easy to see why. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Where are we starting? Are we? Quick facting it first. We are quick facting it, and uh, hit me. Yeah, we're gonna go with Capone on this one, and uh, Al Capone, and and how did he actually get his scars to get the nickname Scarface? Um, so Capone himself would actually uh, long claim that he got them fighting in France during World War One, uh, uh -huh. but you, you know, not that's not actually the case. He actually got them when he was eighteen, working as a bartender and a waiter and a bouncer at a, at the Harvard Inn owned by a mobster named Frankie Yale. And so the, the story behind this is, is much less heroic. It seems more Capone. <laughs> yeah, much less heroic than a, a war story. Uh, essentially, what happened was one Frank Galluccio uh, came into the bar with his date, um, Maria Tanzo, and his sister, Lena. And Capone really liked the sister, Lena, and he kept trying to get her to <laughs> talk to him and, you know, go for a walk with him on the beach and stuff. And she just kept turning him, turning him down. And so finally, he, he, he you know, just continues and finally, Lena gets really annoyed and tells her brother about the annoying guy who keeps bothering her. So <laughs> Galluccio then, you know, he, he goes, he tells the ladies to go outside. He's going to take care of this, this issue, this, no. this Capone who's bothering his sister. And then, uh, so as she's, as Lena is leaving, however, Capone escalates the situation by reportedly uh, yelling out loudly. I'll tell you one thing, you got a nice ass, honey. And I mean that as a compliment. <laughs> Naturally. Galluccio didn't uh, didn't take kindly to this. Is uh, Capone saying this? And then Capone just tells him. Uh, so he demands Capone go and apologize. And Capone mm -hmm. refuses and says he was only joking around. Um, now it should be noted here that Capone was much bigger than Galluccio. He was uh, Galluccio mm -hmm. was only five foot six and and kind of a skinny little guy. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, Capone was a very beefy, very muscly, five foot eleven. And uh, mm. so rather than try to fight him, you know, hand to hand, instead, Galuccio just pulls out a knife and slashes, oh. slashes Capone's face and uh, his upper neck with the knife and then proceeds to sprint out of the Harvard Inn with Capone <laughs> laying in a bloody heap on the floor. Uh, so the Capone was then taken to the hospital. He got uh, say it's reportedly 80 stitches to and he ended up good being. Lord. Yeah, that's a lot. They were they were some good gashes. Uh, and so, yeah, he was quite he had quite. He had quite a scarred face. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, in the photos, not a joke. Yeah, and so this, of course, mobster Frankie Yale, who owned the the inn, uh, he demanded the meeting to sort of settle the issue between Capone and Galluccio, and so in the end, he demanded that Galluccio pay Capone uh, fifteen hundred dollars for for the okay. trouble with the scars, which that's about twenty seven thousand dollars today. And in, in return, Capone had to promise to never retaliate in any way uh, for the thing. And this also worked out for Yale because he also, he, Galuccio didn't have that amount of money to pay Capone. So instead, Yale gave him the money to give to Capone. And so now Galuccio is in the mobster Yale's debt uh, and uh, with interest and also, you know, now kind of worked for him a little bit. Um, so that, that is, that settled it the matter. Well for that guy. Yeah, that settled the matter. And that's how Capone actually got his scars. What? <laughs> did they not have police? Like, well, you know, when you're like, I feel like they're the people who normally sort out these sorts of issues. Yeah, well, when you're in like a mobster who definitely, you know, they probably didn't, and nobody involved wanted to wanted to get the police over, probably. I guess so. Yeah, I guess so. Twenty seven thousand dollars is a lot of money. How old was the guy? Eighteen? Uh, that one? No, Capone was, well, Capone 18. was, was eighteen. I'm not sure how how old Galuccio was at the time. Either way, twenty twenty seven thousand dollars. That feels a bit heavy. <laughs> yeah. 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 He almost killed him, though, so, you know. That's true. The gash to the neck could have been fatal. I wonder what happened to Galuccio. Like, you know, he's indebted to this kind of gangster guy. I bet that that's just, now he works for him. That's yeah. just how he gets him into his yeah. organization and gets him loyal. Yeah. It's probably be like, oh, yeah, the interest is also real high. <laughs> yeah. yeah, pretty much. Mm. Anyway, so this crime, the stupid people and their <laughs> inability to cover up murders. Yeah. 
despite a pretty despite a pretty elaborate plan in the end yeah uh, yeah yeah elaborately stupid but you know in Mm -hmm. various ways the execution could have been better so yes so we're going back to this 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 was actually uh one of the another one of the early trials of the 20th century that was you know one of the early ones called the, the trial of the century as uh, on the what was There's that? So many trials. Didn't yeah. we already cover one? Yeah, trial that was that century? one was the first one to be called that prominently. <laughs> but this one was also kind of took the the nation by storm for various reasons. I mean, you, uh, it involves a housewife who uh, you mm-hmm. know going to murder her husband with uh, you know and having an affair with this other guy, and she was kind of uh, painted as a seductress and like getting the other guy to to help and stuff using her woman <laughs> womanly ways, which a lot of the the newspapers would would say but uh actually this is all the stories of i really feel they were very naive yeah. like oh the 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 woman kills her yeah. husbands and she was a seductress and i'm like whoa guys you have no idea what is coming up in the rest of this century yeah but the, the, yeah the thing is is when i first researched this one i was like oh yeah you know that the, the story everyone says i'm like yeah she sounded like kind of an idiot and you know this guy is kind of an idiot and whatnot and letting her you know control him or whatever but then I was I was curious. I was like, well, no one's ever actually saying her side of the story, like at all, anywhere. Yeah. None of the news accounts, nothing. And I'm like, what what is her side of the story? Like, and when you actually read that, it's like, no, they were probably both like equally involved. Like, there was no forced here. This was probably like just something they schemed up on together. And her and she looks a bit more of a sympathetic character in some ways, which I, I added quite a bit, uh, as you know. That's we were supposed to record this last week, but I added a bunch at the last minute because I was like, oh no, we need to incorporate some of her side of the story in because no one else really talks about that and um yeah still kind of an idiot and all that but you know a little more you kind of feel sorry for a little more when you look into the whole story we'll see yeah (laughs) all right so going back to the the 1920s and so this is a long island woman she's a housewife named ruth snyder um and at this point uh it leading up to the the murder uh, she had actually made several attempts, allegedly, to kill her husband, Albert, including she twice tried to kill him via disconnecting the gas line on their oven. Uh, then that, that didn't work. Uh, she tried. <laughs> How does the guy stick around? It's like, wow, what a coincidence. Yeah. It became disconnected twice. Yeah. And then uh, at that point, I'll be like, someone is trying to kill me. Yeah, no, just wait. There's more. There's more. I know. So she's, she then tries running the car in the garage with the garage door closed in the hopes it will, you know, fill the house with, you know, carbon monoxide and kill him. <laughs> that didn't end up working. She then poisoned his bootleg whiskey, but he, rather than drink it, he dumped it out because he noted it tasted <laughs> awful. Um, so, and, and this is uh, something we're going to get into in a future episode is this is actually something the U.S. government did around this very same time. Uh, to stop people to, from drinking, they they poisoned uh, uh, the supplies of of a lot of uh, the bootleg or a lot of the supply of alcohol that the bootleggers were were stealing and stuff. They intentionally poisoned them, and they knew the bootleggers would use it in this way and sell it. And this resulted in the death of over ten thousand Americans very quickly. And uh, oh my God! And as the death count started rolling in, and all these people were showing up to the hospital, you know, in these symptoms, and then dying not long after. Uh, it, the, the program became, you know, they'd already been promoting that they were doing this to try to get people to stop. Uh, but then, you know, people were doing it anyway. Doing it anyways, but then they weren't, they were intending to kill people or just make them sick. The intention was, well, no, poison, it would kill you if you drank it. And so they thought it would be a deterrent. People would know this, that, that some of these supplies of alcohol that the bootleggers were, were stealing and using would be poisoned and so that people would stop drinking but people didn't know this is <laughs> didn't, crazy didn't stop drinking and so they just a lot of them died and so instead of like oh we need to stop this program because this this went further than we thought no if you can actually go read the congressional notes and stuff and they actually debated whether they should ramp up the program to get rid of the you know all the unde- undesirable drinkers and whatnot so we'll have wait what <laughs> yeah and this was this is quite supported by this was hotly debated on both sides it's like well you know uh, these people are doing this illegal thing and all that. And, and of course, at this point, you have to understand, like, leading up to Prohibition, so many of the, the problems with the nation and, and the world basically were pinned on alcohol. Mm. And so it was like, yeah, these people are, like, awful because they're, you know, continuing to drink and they're, they're the problem with society, you know, so why not get rid of them? Um, and this was also a time when, like, eugenics and stuff was hugely popular across the world and, uh, and all that. So the, the idea wasn't, uh, so yeah, it was, it was just hotly debated and we'll get into it uh, fully on a, a future episode because it's kind of a fascinating, uh, thing. Yeah. That's really intense. I mean, I, I, I kind of think 
you know, the conspiracy theorists or whatever. It's all of this stuff. Yeah. And I say, oh no, the government did intentionally poison 10,000 yeah. people. Yeah, that, That's pretty, <laughs> although at least they were like, yes, we have poisoned all of this yeah, stuff. That, that's, <laughs> so there's not really a conspiracy. That's it's just crazy. That's the thing about the actual conspiracies is, that, is it's just impossible to keep a lid on the things because as soon as you involve, Too you know, people. very many people at all, which almost all conspiracy theories, like, you know, those sort of things always have to involve sometimes hundreds of thousands of people. And it's just like, they've well, got to be grand, otherwise they're not interested. Yeah, exactly. And so it's like, well, yeah, but if that was really the case, then it just there would be no way to keep it secret at all. And then people, yeah. they'll always go, oh, but there was that one guy who said this and he knows what he's talking yeah, about. Yeah. Like, out of the, you know, out of the <laughs> tens of, like the moon landing, yeah, yeah, yeah. the tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people yeah. possibly yeah. who knew that about this and worked on this in some way yeah or, the, so, or and on. and often it also would require a lot of the conspiracy theories would require governments across the world working together on it over spanning decades and it's like yeah we've we've already proven we can't do that yeah, at all even <laughs> one government just one government can't agree on something let alone you know all of them together like <laughs> collaborating it just i don't Anyways, yeah, yeah. <laughs> have an enormous amount of faith in the just general competency of governments. Exactly. And then just, spanning decades with multiple, you know, people in the government yeah. over time. It's like, what do you have? Like you, you get like indoctrinated, you come in and it's like, all right, now here's the thing we're actually doing for like, yeah. we've been doing it for decades. <laughs> and, then, and then like a couple of decades later, the, all of the declassified documents <laughs> yeah. then put out. Yeah. And it's like, what? So we faked all of that <laughs> stuff as well, just at the time, because we know that would be, come on guys. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Um, but, but Rant over. We can move. there are actual conspiracies like this one, but they always come out and are always like, you know, a little, yeah. you just can't keep them a secret and all that. So anyways, going back, they didn't even try to get this, just keep this a no, secret. This, the whole they were point like, yeah, we're not to make people. it a secret. Like the whole point yeah. was to let everyone know. And it, it definitely, I mean, came to more public attention once all the people started dying. Uh, that became <laughs> more front page news type stuff. Uh, but Still, anyways, we'll we'll talk about that one later. It's I, I thought about adding it completely to this, but then it was a little bit of a tangent too far. So, yes, do it another time. Yeah. It'll be fun. Yeah, and by fun I mean terrible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, they, when it is like a century old, it's like the ten thousand deaths don't seem quite as. It more just seems like bizarre. Yeah, rather than yeah. tragic. Something uh, something to laugh about. Yeah, bizarrely rather than yeah. yeah. Like oh my god, the American government did that. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, but all these people don't yeah, like literally like ten thousand people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In any event, going back to Ruth, so she did, she tried to poison his bootleg whiskey. It, uh, that, I mean, that one, if she'd been successful, maybe if this program had been around, I'm not sure, I can't remember the exact date, so maybe it was already around. Maybe that one, she would have actually gotten away with it. But uh, either way. She could have used the same poison or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and just, it'd just maybe, be another yeah, one of the casualties. It is one, one of them. That'd be a great way to kill someone then. Yeah, totally. Like if you just wanted to like knock someone off, yeah. you know, yeah. great way to do it. Yeah. I'm sure someone <laughs> out there got that bright idea and did just that. <laughs> um, it's like 9,995 deaths caused by the government yeah. and five people murdered. That's <laughs> <laughs> great. So yeah, so um, another instance, she, while Albert was sick, she started adding various drugs to the medicine he was taking, uh, just hoping some combination <laughs> of it would kill him. Uh, uh, and yet another uh, incident, she supposedly uh, carjacked. He was under the car at the time and she released the carjack. Mm. Uh, it didn't end up oh. crushing him or anything. So he, he ended up surviving that one, too. Um, all unsuccessful attempts. And so so why why was she trying to kill her husband in the first place? It turns out the the now not so happy couple originally met when Ruth, she was working at Cosmopolitan magazine and she cold called Albert and uh, Albert kind of lost his temper and yelled at her, as as sometimes you do when the when the uh, telemarketers call. Uh, so yeah. pretty quickly, Ruth apologized for calling, and then Albert he felt bad because she was very polite about the whole thing, and he he explained to her that his fiance had actually just recently died of pneumonia, and so he was you know not in a good mood and you know that sort of thing. So um, I mean, it later would turn out that more of that was just sort of his general temperament, um, but at the time that was his excuse. So the next day, <laughs> Albert was kind of a yeah, basically. Uh, and so Ruth calls again the next day, uh, and they just get to talking. And so eventually, they they uh, she he actually gets her a job at the at the magazine he works for, Motorboating Magazine. Uh, and she works as a secretary. And not long after, uh, in 1915, they get married. And then it was you know all downhill from there. <laughs> so uh, in 1917, first uh, Ruth gets pregnant, and uh, rather than be super excited about that, you know, first child and all that, Albert, sure. he wasn't happy at all. He didn't want kids. He had no interest in kids, didn't want them. And he thought, he eventually was like, all right, well, at least if it's a son, I'll have a son. It'll be <laughs> awesome. 
And then it turned out to be a daughter named uh, a Lorraine, I believe it is. Um, don't have it in notes here, but later I'll confirm or deny that. I believe it was Lorraine. And then so, yeah, he wasn't happy about it that he and he was not shy about expressing his dissatisfaction with her giving birth to a daughter <laughs> and, you know, having a kid at all. Wow. Yeah. So that's his daughter's going to do great that's gonna be a happy childhood no and this this one is like uh, people all over are gonna be like yeah that albert dude he deserved to die because the next step next up who does this so he had the <laughs> habit of comparing his wife ruth to to his dead fiance julie gouchard uh, oh my gosh and to quote him he stated that julie was the finest woman i have ever met and like to frequently <laughs> tell ruth this about his dead fiance uh, and then he would also constantly berate Ruth for not basically being as good at, as Julie was at everything. Um, just anything, he would just compare her constantly to Julie and how Julie was better than her. Oh, and on top of this, he hangs a portrait of Gouchard, Julie Gouchard, mm. up in their home rather than oh. his wife. And he also names his boat after Julie and not his oh. wife. And, uh, yeah, and then on top of that, like we said, he was very moody, ill-tempered. He also enjoyed just being at home kind of by himself, tinkering on his boat and his car and that sort of thing. Whereas Ruth was very extroverted, loved going out and doing things and hanging out with friends and, you know, that sort of thing. But she never got to do this with Albert because he had no interest in it. And, you know, being a, a housewife at the time, she just kind of had to stay home and uh, mope around. So ultimately, <laughs> Ruth, her father dies. And this results in the mother, Josephine Brown, coming to live with Ruth and Albert. And so this this actually did allow uh, Ruth to start going out and doing stuff sometimes because uh, her mom would just watch the daughter sometimes and let her go out and hang out with friends and stuff and meet people mm -hmm. in this. So that was like an improvement. But her mother very quickly saw the way their relationship was, the way Albert treated her and the way just they didn't get along at all and fought all the time. Mm -hmm. And so he, she actually, despite the stigma at the time, she said she told her daughter he sh she should divorce her husband. Good away. Yeah, because this was always going to end badly at some point. So she didn't uh, want to take this advice. Instead, she went with, a, you know, kill him instead. And so why? Why do this? Uh, so... <laughs> There was the scandal of divorce at the time. Divorce is really bad. Yeah, back then. And, you know, the woman wouldn't have much of any way of support themselves after that, especially, you know, uh, you know, being a divorcee and being the initiator of the divorce. Uh, mm -hmm. She also had some concern that she would lose custody of her daughter uh, in the, the divorce proceedings if she left. Um, but on top of that, speaking of the support, Albert actually had three life insurance policies. Uh, one of them was Ruth got him to get. And the other two were ones that were forged by Ruth and uh, Emmanuel talk about shortly uh oh yeah uh so the total so not only not only all these multiple attempts to kill it's like do i really need three life insurance <laughs> yeah. policies yeah exactly so uh the total of all of them was about eighty thousand dollars or about 1.1 million dollars today good lord yeah so life insurance policies. Just... yeah yeah life insurance okay. policies in place all uh attempts to murder him thus far unsuccessful she decides to bring in someone else to help her out um you see at the time uh, she was using her her time away from her daughter uh, when her mom was watching to 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 good use and met a guy named Henry Henry Judd Gray uh, starting in 1925 and this he was a lingerie salesman that's how they met oh. and who also detested his spouse for basically the exact same reasons Ruth hated her husband um, they you know and they also had similar age daughters so they had a lot in common and they got along very well uh, and quickly started having an affair. Um, and so this brings us to sort of the the widely accepted version of events, which, again, I think are a little unjustly unfair to Ruth. I think it seems more clear that they were probably both involved uh, equally okay. and whatnot. And she was not quite the seductress and all that and manipulating Judd, her, the guy she was having an affair with, so much it was probably <laughs> more of a mutual uh, dumb idea that they had together to get the life insurance money um, and get rid of yeah. the, the husband. So... So, but the widely accepted version is that Ruth, he, she convinces Judd to help murder. And so she says, hey, we should do this thing. And Judd supposedly wasn't, he's like, no, I'm not going to do that. That's stupid. Uh, and so she continues to pressure him supposedly and all this. And so finally, uh, when the pressuring doesn't work, she decides instead, supposedly, to tell Judd that she is going to tell his wife of the affair if he didn't help. Um, this supposedly worked and agreed, but that doesn't quite make sense because if she tells Judd's wife of the affair, then Albert's going to know about the affair too yeah. and then she risks losing her daughter which does seem to be like a thing when you read her accounts like this was something she was legitimately worried about in the divorce scenario and the whole affair scenario so I, I, it just doesn't it seems uh, more likely that 
this wasn't quite how it actually uh-huh. happened. Uh, but, you know, yeah. the everyone, the courts, everyone accepted Jed's version of the story, which was that it was all her idea. <laughs> um, okay. And uh, you, you'll, get, you'll see the court and the news accounts. Judd was like a saint when you read them. Like, I, I only included, I think, one or two in here. But, like, universally, they're all just painting Judd as this amazing person and, and Ruth as this, you know, evil woman. And well, I remember reading the first version of this, and it, it was like, yeah. oh, yeah. Yeah, I definitely had a pretty negative opinion of Ruth. Yeah. And now I'm like, oh, okay. No, I, she doesn't seem so bad. No, she, I mean, not the brightest in the world, but, you know, not the best decision-making, maybe, is a better way to say that. But, but yeah, you know. She needed to get rid of her husband. He was awful. And yeah. Gotta do what you gotta do. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. That just just to be clear, that doesn't mean I endorse murder. <laughs> no. <laughs> you, you gotta do what you gotta do. Kill your husband, says Simon. Yeah. yeah so yeah, on that note, if all this seems pretty yeah. dumb, uh, this would become known as the dumbbell murder case. Uh, very shortly after things went uh, things went down. Just dumb dumbbell means stupid, but to me, a dumbbell is the thing you lift. Yeah, dumbbell does mean dumb as well. Stupid. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Just, just checking. Yeah. Just checking. Yeah. So I'll, we should also point out that Ruth uh, noted that in her version of things, which is you know never told, she says Judd was actually having affairs with many women, uh, and that he was a lingerie salesman. <laughs> yeah, and like. he hated his wife. Um, <laughs> so yeah, traveling salesman, no less, so that you know get away yeah. with a little more. Uh, and then it's like traveling salesman, eh, probably prone to affairs, traveling lingerie salesman. Yeah. Come on, Judd. You know what's up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, she she says Judd actually eventually started, you know, threatening to tell about the affair and whatnot to get money out of her and all this. And he hates his wife. Yeah. Yeah. He hates his <laughs> wife. And so who knows? Who knows what exactly the right, the actual correct thing? It's the, I don't know. It seems to me like. Why was he painted as such a hero? Like, I remember reading this before and Judd was amazing. Yeah. But why did everyone like him so much? He's, was he just charming or something? I think, or what? I think like, it just made course? a better story in the news because you'll see a lot of the news accounts, they seem to be more, uh, a little bit like the tabloid magazines, you know, like the, that you see on yeah. the grocery store, like right there that have all these outlandish things about celebrities and stuff. This case definitely became that. It was like, oh, this perfect family, right? It's just a typical American family. But no, look at this. Like the woman's like this adulteress and she's murdering her husband and what an in it made like a really great story. Whereas like the guy, you know, guy having an affair, like, well, that's what like a lot of guys back then did like all the time, <laughs> especially like you say, salesmen and traveling salesmen. So it was like, there, it was a salesman. Yeah, it was kind of a non-story. Whereas the, the angle that was taken with her um, cause even I mean, a lot of the accounts were like, oh, she's just like incredibly intoxicatingly beautiful woman. But if you actually go look at the pictures, she wasn't really. And it was, just, that was just made up just to, you know, it made the story better and whatnot. So <laughs> I, it seems more like it was just, it made a good story and everyone kind of ran with it and you know. All right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Gotta love the media. Yeah. They were just as inaccurate back then, <laughs> if not more so yeah. because they could get away with it so much easier. Yeah, you very, you know, fact-checking must have been tricky. Yeah, exactly. How, how are you going to know? Especially when all the newspapers are saving, like, the same type of stories and everything. And the law certainly less developed on regards to that sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, exactly. So, what, whatever the case, March of 1927, the pair, mm. so they've been having an affair for about two years up at this point, they decided to follow through on the plan to kill Albert Snyder. Um, again, contradictory accounts and all that. Uh, they were both trying to paint the whole thing as the other person's idea, and even... Um, in their stories about how it actually went down, that it was the other person who did the murder. Uh, and, you know, in, in Judd's case, he, he tells it where, like, he tried and then kind of failed. And so then she steps in and does the actual murder. In her case, she's like, yeah, I was in the bathroom at the time. I thought he had left. Um, and so, you know. Uh, it's a weak excuse. Yeah, they're probably both lying. And it was probably mutual, one would think. <laughs> yeah, but either way, the, the generally accepted one is that Ruth... Ruth, uh, well, this this is kind of how it started either way. So Ruth was out with Albert and their nine-year-old daughter. Oh, it was Lorraine. Uh, so they're out for the evening. They go out. They're out pretty late. I think it was like 2 a.m. at a party or something. Uh, so the Judd, Judd enters in the home. Ruth left a door unlocked for him to come in, and he goes and hides in the spare bedroom. Uh, and then when they come back, uh, Albert and Lorraine, they go to sleep. Uh, and so then Ruth goes and meets with, meets with Judd. And then they go into the master bedroom together. They've got a chloroform-soaked cotton and also a window sash weight that Judd had brought, he'd purchased. Uh, it's just kind of a, a weight to hold some, you know, a heavy thing to you know, hit someone over the head with, which is exactly mm-hmm. what they were doing. So Judd claims, the, the, the story that everyone, that's accepted by the court and everything, is Judd claims he takes the, he takes the, the weight and 
bashes bashes uh, Albert over the head with it, but instead of instead of actually killing him or knocking him out, it actually just wakes him up. Uh, so they, oh, if that's oh. the case, they might as well have just gone with the chloroform right away because he was sleeping. That would have been more effective. Yeah. But either way, so supposedly he wakes up, he, he yells for help, and uh, and then that is when Ruth, according to Judd, grabs the weight out of Judd's hand and then smashes her husband's head with it, and that's what actually probably killed him, according to Judd. So, of course, in this case, it makes it look like she actually did the murder and he was just kind of, you know, there at the time. So it helps him yeah. to maybe avoid the death penalty, which is probably what he's going for. So, uh-huh. but uh, Ruth, Ruth, again, she claims that she actually... When, when it finally came to it, it was like, no, you need to leave. We're not going to do this. And so he says, okay, I'm going to leave. So then she goes to the bathroom to kind of get ready for bed again. And then uh, she claims that's when Albert mur- did the, or uh, that's when Judd did the murder of Albert on his own when she was in the bathroom. Um, prob- uh-huh. Probably neither of those are perfectly accurate. Uh, either no. either way, to for good measure, whatever, whatever, whoever was did the bashing with the, the weight, there was definitely that because there was, you know, he had fracture in his skull and everything. Uh, so they, just for good measure, they also tied a wire around his throat and used a pencil to twist and tighten it to strangle him. Then they stuffed chloroform-soaked cotton up his nostrils and in his mouth. Okay. So he's definitely not living through, uh, you know, any one of those would probably be sufficient. Uh, and this was... Uh, they already smashed him in the head, right? Yeah, and he's, you know, uh, unconscious, bleeding with a fractured skull, so, you know... It's not a good time. Yeah. Not good. So then they walked through the house, scattered some things around. They were trying to make it basically look like it was a robbery. But of course, why would the robbers go to such elaborate <laughs> methods to try to kill the person, the person in there? So either way, they're yeah. they're they're scattering stuff around and just kill the husbands. Yeah, exactly. Uh, they're hiding very brutally. They they take the various valuables around, and so they hide them to make it look like they're stolen. But like they hide them in the house, and so oh, you nice. know you can see how that one's going to turn out. Uh, so. They, then they f- oh, no. they finish yeah. by Henry or Judd uh, as as he went by. Uh, he loosely ba- binds Ruth and gags her, and then he leaves. So after some time passes, Ruth she would tell the authorities who would later show up that she was unconscious during the time because she had she claimed she had also been hit in the head and knocked out. Uh, so she either way she wriggles to the door of her sleeping daughter's room and bangs her head up against the door until Lorraine wakes up. Lorraine comes out. She removes the gag and uh, supposedly. She tries to remove the the ties to actually unbind her mother, but Ruth says, no, go get the neighbor. Uh, so it would seem here that she was very keen on having the neighbor actually do the untying. Uh-huh, to discover it, sure. Yeah, cause, uh, maybe, you know, thinking the, the testimony of a nine-year-old girl yeah. would not be as good as a neighbor having done the unbinding. Yeah. Either way, as you might imagine, the police are soon called after the neighbor comes and unbinds and finds the husband dead and everything. Uh, so uh-huh. the police aren't buying it like, immediately because <laughs> Ruth was super calm about the whole thing. Uh, not, yeah. not distraught at all over the fact that she had supposedly just been bashed in the head, knocked unconscious, tied down, gagged by a couple. She said a couple Italians, people, guys, and a husband horribly, murdered. A husband horribly murdered, like brutally, uh, all that. And so they're kind of like, well, this is weird that she's so calm. And so, mm-hmm. you know, and there's also no a sign of forced entry into the home or anything like that. Um, <laughs> they didn't even do yeah <laughs> yeah and so they also the, the police call one dr harry hansen to look over ruth because she said she'd got bashed in the head but when he looked her over there was zero signs that she had, had taken a blow to the head at all like not even the slightest little red mark anywhere so like another way that maybe they didn't quite think through their plan it should be at least like a bruise or something yeah uh, i've seen enough movies to know you know there's <laughs> In so many movies that scene, it's like, all right, man, you got to punch me in the face. Yeah. Just punch me in the face. Punch me in the face. I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. Yeah. And they punch the guy in the face and he's like, again! Yeah. Just to make it look like he got bloody up. Yeah, exactly. So, and then they also, the police find Albert's revolver, which had been placed beside him on, on the bed. But like, it, so it seemed to them more like, like... Why didn't he use it? Yeah, why they were like, why didn't he use it? If he had a revolver and these unarmed burglars didn't, what was he doing with the gun? And so they kind of determined that it seemed more likely that it was placed there to make it seem like he had, you know, used the gun uh, in defense. Um, and then as they're searching, they find the valuables that were supposedly oh, stolen. Yeah. This had to happen. Yeah the, yeah, the jewelry, for instance, was just hidden under the mattress of the bed. <laughs> Not even like well hidden. You couldn't just throw it in a field. Yeah. You couldn't just anything, literally anything. Exactly. And so then they, the police actually tell her. Throw it in a lake. Throw it down a well. Yeah, or have. Flush it down the you toilet. Know, have, Come on. Have Judd take it or something. He can give it back yes, later or anything. something. And so they, they tell her that it looks like 
the, the it was actually a fake. They say it doesn't look like this was actually supposed to be a robbery. This looks like someone was actually targeting to kill Albert. Uh, and this guy's Sherlock Holmes to figure that yeah. out. And so she supposedly replies, according to the reports, "How can you tell? <laughs> what? Yeah. How can you tell? Yes. Yeah, so uh, then the police's big break, the thing that really got things going, and uh, was they found actually a memento Albert had of his former fiance Jesse Gouchard. And so what did this have to do with the murder? How did this actually get you know the things mm-hmm. start re- being revealed? And so it turns out this memento simply had the initials J.G. on them. Uh, and if we should point out again here that Henry Gray's nickname was Judd, so Judd Gray. And so when the police asked Ruth if she knew anything about a J.G., uh, so they thought it actually must have been like maybe a lover of Albert's or something. Uh, and so mm-hmm. uh, she reportedly replied, What about Judd Gray? Has he confessed? <laughs> oh, this woman. Yeah, so... Uh, Just... Don't, don't, <laughs> there's a great video on YouTube um, called Why the Police Will Always Beat You in the Interrogation Room. Yeah. Have you seen yes, this? Yes, and it was, it was great. There was that lawyer and then the police in, investigator guy who does the interrogation. It was like, in no way is talking to the police ever going to benefit you, ever. Like, yes, you, anything, do not talk to the police. It can <laughs> only make it worse. Their job is not to, their job is to gather evidence, basically, uh, against you. And so, like, yeah. just don't. <laughs> just, yeah. It drives me insane whenever this happens in a movie and someone just, in, like, they're like, we know you did it, so it's time to start negotiating. Uh, uh, just... Get a lawyer. Yeah, well, and that's that was the other thing that pointed out in that video is the police don't, they're not involved in the negotiation. It's not their, you know, it's not what they no. do. They're involved. They're getting evidence so they can't negotiate with you like that. Uh, that's that's for others, you know, prosecuting attorneys and things to work out with your lawyer. Um, so, yeah, anyway, that that people, is that is an people. interesting video to watch, both the presentation from the lawyer and the and the police interrogator. Um, who, again, like as he points out, the police are interrogated. They're professionals. They're really good at getting information out of people. And they, they can yes. lie all they want. And that's another thing. People think they can't lie, but no, they can totally just lie. And um, yeah. And it's also just uh, the other thing that struck me is e- you, even if you've done nothing wrong, even if you have nothing to do with it, yeah. don't say anything <laughs> yeah because it never benefits you at all and yeah it was it was fascinating to hear some of his techniques of getting people to admit to stuff like where uh, i think there was one he was talking about like a rapist or something and he was just like oh yeah she was pretty hot though you know like to, trying to get like he's on the guy's side or God. whatever and like and so the guy was like yeah right and it was like and then he admitted to his crime and then it was like oh gotcha you know like <laughs> oh my god yeah exactly it was, it was fascinating yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, it was just fascinating, like the lengths he would go to, and the, yeah, he was really good at his job. This guy, um, yeah, yeah, interesting. She was pretty all right. Yeah, I know. That's why I raped. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> That's basically what it seemed like happened. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was actually talking about a different video, but I've also seen oh, the one. Oh, really? What are you about. talking about? I'll send you a link. Um, yes, it's by a channel called Coffee Break. Oh, you like? Uh, yeah, you've it's... mentioned that channel before. I've not actually seen that one. It's very good. They just got into a big bit of trouble or like trouble or whatever, like YouTube drama with uh, Kurt Sagat in a nutshell, uh-huh. which was interesting. Uh, I probably spent too much time on Friday reading the comments <laughs> about that, but <laughs> I've not heard heard this at all. Uh, it's uh, it, there was something about uh, this kind of inside YouTube baseball stuff. Maybe it's less interesting to our general audience, but the short of it was um, this guy was making a video about a video Kurt Sagat had made saying that it really wasn't researched well enough and that this kind of gave like a bad impression. I think it was mental health mm-hmm. and he was kind of calling them out on it, but he wanted them to chime in before he made the video, kind of calling them out. Mm-hmm. And they did. And then he basically thought, and I'm not sure I'm getting all the details 100% right here, but he basically thought that they had, they made a video describing their research process and published it like two days before they, you know, he just seemed to be to coffee breaks impression. It seemed like he was just pushing the guy who owns Kurtzagart was just pushing the interview back so he could get this video done uh-huh. and explain himself before coffee breaks video came out. But it seems the general consensus seems to be in the comments, but you never really know that it was just a coincidence and coffee break was kind of a bit harsh. Oh. But either way, it's a it's a good channel. Yeah, it's a good it's, I, it's a I great like, channel. I like. Uh... In a nutshell, I've not seen Coffee Break, but um, everybody everybody fantastic. gets stuff wrong sometimes. It's impossible not to, um, as long as yeah. as long as the effort's there. And I think at least I haven't watched a, a in a nutshell video in a long time. But 
uh, they always seemed pretty good on the ones I have seen. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. No one bats a thousand, and yeah. it is what it is. Yeah. Anyway. Going back to, uh, where were we? what about Judd Gray? Has he confessed? How did we get there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think the police thing and all that. Uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. All right. So soon enough, now that they have the name Judd Gray, they're looking for Judd Gray. And so they find him staying at the Syracuse Hotel, which is, I don't remember how far away that is. It's away. He had to take a train anyway. Uh, so mm-hmm. the, the police go there to arrest. He couldn't have taken the jewelry. Yeah. yeah. So they go there to arrest Gray. And he initially is like, what are you talking about? I've been at this hotel the whole time. And he, again, in their sort of dumb way of, you know, planning things out, he did have an alibi. He had a friend of his named Haddon Gray, which is not related to him at all. Uh, but just had the same last name. So mail two letters to Judd's wife from the hotel that day mm-hmm. as to make it appear that he had been there the whole time. But like, you can see the problem here is, well, then Haddon Gray's going to know, you know, later that when he finds right. out, he's yeah, going to know. He was in on it. He's going to be like, like wait a minute, alibi. you murdered this person, right? And you're using me as an alibi. So even if this alibi had stood up, like Haddon, there's a weak point and that Haddon Gray could just come out and be like, no. This, I, I, it was me who did this. Like, I mailed the letters. I don't know anything about what they were doing. But so at the time, Judd told him that he was just off uh, visiting his girlfriend, um, which maybe yeah. gives uh, some more insight into the character of Judd, who can just casually tell his buddy, like, yeah, I'm going to go visit my girlfriend. Would you mind covering for me at the hotel? Mary, uh, mail some Classic letter. Judd. Yeah. yeah. Haddon Gray being like the best wingman in the world there. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. So Haddon actually, he goes and lies to the police initially. Uh, about it and, oh, wow. and he's like no no good wingman yeah it's great until <laughs> he finds out about the murder and then he was like whoa whoa no no i mailed the letters that was that was totally me and so the other thing the other problem here is that judd so he's leaving the snyder house after the murder and he's going yeah. and literally like down the block he asks a policeman for directions to the train like as he after okay. after the murder uh, a police oh, wow. and so the policeman gives him directions later the policeman remembered uh, meeting, having this guy ask him for directions to the train. And then when he got off the train, he used a taxi to get to the train to the hotel. And the police were able to <laughs> track down the taxi driver who also remembered uh, the guy getting off the train uh, from from the town. So, yeah, so this... You're going to put on like a wig or a fake pair of glasses or, yeah, or something. And definitely don't ask... Anything. Don't like... Don't ask the dad policeman. Yeah, like a block <laughs> away from the house that you just committed a murder. Uh, so, yeah. This so he finally you know he uh, so the police also again getting back to the police can totally lie if they want in trying to get the confession is they say Ruth has confessed even though she hadn't confessed at this point mm. uh, and so once that you know they have all this evidence against them they're telling him and they say Ruth has confessed you might as well just confess too and so then he oh. he you know changes so he, yeah he, did he confess he did he changes his tune oh, and he confesses on. and he says Ruth Ruth made him do it it was all her fault. Uh, and so this, on the other side, they then go to Ruth and they say, hey, Gray has confessed. <laughs> and uh, so she's then t- also confesses, blames Gray for the whole thing. It was his fault, all his idea. Uh, so they put on trial May of 1927, both pointing fingers at each other again and just saying the other one corrupted each other. But the, the public and the, and the jury, everyone, pretty much everyone, cited, even the police involved, uh, detectives interviewing him were actually like, this Judd, he just seems like a really nice guy. So, wow. yeah, they, they, you know, everyone involved was like, Judd's a great guy. Ruth is the devil, basically. So even so, I, here's one quote from the Herald Tribune noting. He was a Red Cross worker in the World War. He was an assiduous worker for the Sunday school of the First Methodist Church, was quiet mannered in the home and a local country club man. He golfed and bridged and motored. He was a member of the Orange Lodge of Elks. Alrighty. All facts now adduced point to a love madman completely in the sway of the woman whose will was steel and brain active and intelligent. She dominated him, police said, and forced her will upon him even when he desired to back out on some of her proposals. Yeah. And if I love how motored used to be a hobby. Yeah. He he golfed and bridged and drove a car. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And if you read a lot of the, uh, their accounts, there's tons of them on this because it was quite a sensational thing that, you know, everyone was quite interested in. And they're all like this. So Judd's <laughs> a saint and uh, and she's the devil and just the yeah. seductress and all that and corrupted this this great guy, you know. Um, so the district attorney himself would ring in on Gray, noting he was a decent, red-blooded, outstanding American citizen. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, other than the fact that, of course, he took part in a murder <laughs> and cheated on his wife with lots of different women and, you know, all that. He was a great guy. What, why Why did everyone like him so much? Do we, do we know? 
Like for sure, he was just. I don't know. Maybe cool. maybe he was just very. I mean, it was a traveling salesman. He was probably pretty personable and good talking to people and stuff. You would think. Wow, you can get away with a lot with that. Yeah, yeah well, if you're charismatic, yeah, you can get away with it. Charismatic and good looking will get you away a lot in court. Like, uh, have you seen those wow. studies and stuff where, like, if you're a good looking person, well dressed, uh, how much more likely you are to get off from crimes? Yeah, I can a hundred percent imagine. Yeah, it's it, it, and I, I can imagine. I would certainly have biases. Yeah, and pretty much everyone does is basically, and if you look like a crazy person or something, you're, you know, even if you were completely innocent, you're more likely to get convicted and all that. It's, yeah, the look, look makes a big difference. But um, in any event, so everybody likes, everybody likes that Judd and everybody hates Ruth. Uh, she was sort of the, portrayed as like Eve offering the Adam or the apple to Adam and everything, um, mm-hmm. corrupt, corrupting him. And so um, eventually... The jury, they go and they deliberate for less than two hours and they decide that, you know, in the end, they think Gray, his version of things is correct. But they do actually find them both guilty and sentence them both to death. And this was the thing. It was actually kind of expected that Judd might actually just be convicted and, you know, have to serve some sort of, you know, life sentence or whatever, but not be uh, sentenced to death. Yeah. And and that she it would just be Ruth that would that would be uh, executed. But it turns out they both uh, were deemed to going to be executed because they both took part in it. But Judd's so cool. Yeah, he's such a cool guy. Why what would happens? you want to kill that guy? He's a good, he's a red-blooded American man. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, so He's the best. The other thing about this, yeah, that was surprising. I love Judd. Yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't? Um, <laughs> yeah. So the other thing that was kind of surprising about Free this. Free Judd. <laughs> was that Ruth. As, as evil as she was portrayed to be, executing a woman, and particularly in the electric chair, was no small thing back then. And in fact, this was she would be the first woman to be sentenced to die in New York in almost three decades uh, uh, in the electric chair. And the first one occurred in 1899, and this 1899 was actually the first woman ever to be executed in a electric chair. And that woman was went by uh, Martha Place. And um, so her, her case, just a, a quick aside uh, uh, what what did what did Martha Place do? So February seventh, mm-hmm. eighteen ninety eight, her husband comes home, and so and what he finds is his wife brandishing an axe and rushing at him, attempting to kill him with it. Uh, he's just oh. like, "Honey, I'm home," and then just like axe in your face. So William Place, uh, the husband, literally an axe murderer. <laughs> yeah, he runs. He he runs out and runs to go for the police. Uh, and so they they come back. The police come back and they find Martha. She's lying on the kitchen floor. She's completely unconscious. She's got like rags and stuff over her face and the, and she has the gas from the stove on uh, and seemingly trying to kill herself. And so she was just unconscious from the gas and all that. The rags were just for fun. Well, I assume to make it harder to breathe. I don't know. I don't know. There were okay. things over her face either way. So they turn off the gas, kind of air out the house. And but the, unfortunately, this is sort of the, the, the other tragic part about this is that they and, and why she would ultimately be sentenced to death is so they they go and they look because there's not there's one other person that's supposed to be home and that's the 17 year old daughter of William named Ida and so uh-huh. Martha was the stepmom and so he had actually married William had married her to help you know someone help raise his daughter and she Martha had actually she hated Ida and she frequently threatened to kill her uh, and, and this you know not exactly the oh father of the year here keeping the the lady who's threatening his to kill his daughter around but either way mm. uh so william actually at one point called the police over the matter over one of the threats um though nothing came of it at that point uh but in this case unfortunately she did decide to make good on the threat and they find ida and the the sort of the graphic nature of it was what would ultimately see martha get the electric chairs so she's not only dead but uh, martha had put acid in her eyes uh and her face and uh, also her mouth was bleeding and she had seemingly died from um, being strangled or asph- asphyxiated in some way. Oh my, so that's horrible. Either way, so um, yeah, so she ends up getting the electric chair. First woman ever, Martha Place, February, uh, or in uh, 1898 or 1899. Either way, yeah. gets the electric chair. First woman ever. Just a little quick uh, trivia for a trivial pursuit there or something. I'm sure that question's yeah. bound to come up in Jeopardy or something. Electric chair, do, people, do they still do that anywhere? I don't know. I don't think so. I haven't heard of one in a long time. I was surprised. I think the gas chamber is still used in some really? places. Yeah, I think lethal injection yeah. is a lot more common. But Yeah, I. you know, I think I'd rather gas chamber than lethal injection. Or electric chair, most of all, because electric chair, the second they turn on that current, you're not going to be conscious anymore. You know, that's it. But whereas like the lethal injection is like this long process of like, yeah. Various cocktails and of chemicals. Yeah. And and you're still conscious potentially for part of it. And like, yeah, it seems much less pleasant the electric chair while it's more graphic to watch, you know? 
yeah, as yeah. the actual person enduring it, it's, you know, it's a flip of a switch and then you're, you're not, you know, feeling anything or conscious at all. Or firing squad. Yeah, fire, that's probably the best of all, just like gun to the head and there you go. But, you know, more traumatic for the person actually, you know, pulling the trigger, I suppose. The thing yeah, there. but I mean, with firing squad, the whole, the whole point is you don't know who's pulling the trigger. Or now with robots, they could probably just make that happen. Yeah, that's kind of scary though. <laughs> It's like, what do you got? This is an execution robot. Yeah, we just put it in the room. You then go in the room and who's ever in the room, the execution robot tries to kill. I remember watching a TV show when I was a kid and they were talking about uh, assisted suicide. Uh And I think it was, I think it was in Switzerland where it was legal so people can go and choose to die in Switzerland. But, you know, physicians and stuff didn't want to be killing people. So they had a robot that would do it so that, you know, they'd hook you up to an IV or whatever. And then you'd have a computer and it would be like, are you sure you want to die? And you'd press yes. And then it would ask you to confirm <laughs> and you could press yes again. And it would just push the cocktail or oh. whatever that puts you, puts you to sleep. Oh. Like, oh, you know, like a new, like disturbing as a seven year old. So what, you know, that, um, that, what was it? The, an Ottoman empire where that you could out, you could outrace, the, outrun the guard, outrun the gardener. And if you won yeah. the race, he wouldn't kill you. You'd be completely get off scot-free of your crime and go on your merry way yeah to make it to the to the walls of the palace grounds or something yeah yeah exactly and then if you didn't make it he caught you he'd grab you and strangle you to death yeah and the, that's <laughs> intense so there, but they had the way to get out uh and there was records of some people actually winning the race even though the gardeners were you know they were well trained up in this but i'm thinking now robot execution if you can disable the robot you get off scot-free and have like the robot armed this could this could <laughs> Wow, that got dark. Yeah. It's like, and we'll televise it, and it'll be called Death Sport. Exactly, like man versus machine. <laughs> this, oh. this is is macabre. Robot Wars. As macabre as that is, you know that would be a number one show. Uh, it, it it would be. It's like those high speed chases. Yeah. Do you do? Are those still televised? Uh, yeah, I think so. Like the cops shows yeah. and stuff. Like no, no, no. Like uh, I think this is. I don't know. I've I've never seen it in the UK, and I think maybe we did a video about it or something when. Uh, if there's a high-speed chase, you can sign up to a service and it'll send you like a message on your phone being like, there's a high-speed chase, turn to channel 32. Exactly. And it's like, woo, high-speed chase. And it's like, yeah, exactly. All the people who watch NASCAR just for the wrecks and all that sort of business. Um, yeah, humans. Is, I don't want to be like morbid, but it is more interesting when there's a crash. Or, I don't want anyone to die, yeah. but it's like, it's pretty exciting. In this very case, the whole reason this was a nationwide, like super popular story is because it was totally like the every, every man characters. It was like, oh, well, I have a marriage with a spouse I don't like or something like this is just everyone I'm a traveling lingerie yeah, salesman people could relate and it, it was just this like oh it was all scandalous and everybody wanted to know about the murder and the affairs and all this and, and this yeah humans love that sort of stuff humans yeah humans humans humaning exactly so going back to this uh, again there was um, there was quite a lot of controversy over Ruth Snyder being uh, sentenced to death and particularly the electric chair um, and in oh, fact, right, yeah. the, despite as she had been painted, she was a woman and all that. But as uh, New York State Governor Al Smith, he would uh, justify denying her clemency, stating, The execution of this judgment on a woman is so distressing that I had hoped that the appeal to me for executive clemency would disclose some facts which would justify my interference with the processes of the law. But this did not happen. And then the uh, New York Times uh, editor would later state of this. Equal suffrage has put women in a new position. If they are equal with men before the law, they must pay the same penalties as men for transgressing it. So yes, both of them end up going to the electric chair in Sing Sing on January 12th, 1928. Um, ten- on the same day? Yeah, it ran back to back too. Like Intense. Ruth first, and then uh, they just carried away the body of Ruth, but Judd directly after. That feels super unnecessary. <laughs> yeah, uh, at least I don't think they had Judd watch. I mean, so that's something... Oh. Uh, but yeah, the newspaper accounts, again, this is, again, they like to paint Ruth as, as this, you know, certain way. And so basically, almost universally, they all say she was hysterical, like trying to get away and they had to like hold her down and all this sort of stuff. And she was just like completely gone insane at that point. So this is the way they paint her. But, uh, and then Judd, they make it look like he was calm and like the, you know, like a man, he was taking it like a man and all that. He just went up and, you know, uh, but actually witnesses note that Ruth was also calm. Is that, hang the on, whole hang thing. on, in the notes, in the notes you wrote something, is that a quote? Where? Uh, I don't want to spoil it, but I'll just highlight it for you. Oh, like, no, I think that's just something I wrote. <laughs> like the outstanding it's, man you write, You write in the notes, Judd took it like the outstanding man he was. <laughs> yeah. 
But That's good. In fact, in fact, the witnesses kind of they just say Ruth was calm through the whole thing. She, you know, didn't, okay. didn't make a fuss despite literally every newspaper account I could re I could find saying that she was just like completely hysterical and you know had gone insane from her you know her whole thing at this point. But either way, so she did uh, Ruth. Uh, leading up to her death and everything, did frequently lament that nobody would listen to her. Nobody, none of the news media believed anything she said. They basically wrote whatever they wanted about her. Uh, whether any of it was accurate at all didn't seem to matter. Um, and, Fake news. and she again hated, she also hated the fact that Judd was, you know, painted as sort of a saint in this whole thing. <laughs> Outstanding man. Yeah, such a great guy. Uh, so <laughs> she she did give a public statement, uh, which I just include here. I thought it was kind of interesting over her kind of thoughts. By the way, the whole thing. <laughs> If we ever do any podcast merch, I want to have a t-shirt that says, I'm with Judd. She further publicly stated, If I were to live over again, I would be what I want my child to be. A good girl, really making the fear of God a guide to a straight life. I said before, go straight, and I mean it more than ever. And I wish a lot of women who may be sinning could come here and see what I have done for myself through sinning. And maybe they would do some of the thinking I have done for months, and they would be satisfied with their homes and would stop wishing for things they should try to get along without when they can't have them. Maybe there are women who have nice homes and husbands who do the best they can for them, even if they don't like their husbands, and they could bear it if they would only make up their minds. Everything can't just be perfect. So, so this, I kind of find this quote a little, uh, I mean, it's sad, obviously, but like, She's definitely kind of decided that uh, women, they should just get back in the kitchen and be happy with their state in life. It's kind of her, I don't know, her overarching message, which is really sad. But, you know, facing death row and all that. Um, yeah. She's like, yeah, I'd rather do that than be going to the electric chair, I guess. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. She, see, I don't know. When reading a lot of her quotes and stuff, I, I was much more sympathetic with her, her situation than, I don't know, Judd, <laughs> Team Judd. Over there, um, but either way, so hatching a hashtag free Judd. Yeah. <laughs> so hashtag pardon for Judd. Yeah. So uh, this this brings us to actually something that would also kind of shock the, the nation. Uh, so so the New York Daily News, they came up with a little idea. So you have little cameras now, and so they got an out of town reporter by the name of Tom uh, Tom Howard from the Chicago Tribune. So basically, they wanted someone out of town so no one would would recognize him uh, at the police or anything like that. And they gave him a special camera that they strapped to his ankle, kind of hidden under his pants there. Uh, and so okay. there he could kind of reveal it a little bit. And then by pointing his shoe at Ruth and then carefully crossing his legs, there was a trigger on his leg. Uh, it would then take us take a one shot. He had one shot basically out of this camera. And so he they had this in like the 1920s. That's cool. Yeah. And this this was kind of a new a new thing that they had come up with. And it was, you know, newly capable. And because no one at this point had ever a real execution, real electric chair, no one had had footage of it yet. Like certainly had like footage of animals and stuff like that, but not like a person actually being executed, a human. And so they this was his idea uh, or this was their idea to get a, a, a photo of, of this happening of Ruth in the electric chair. So he chooses the moment right when they flip the switch. So she kind of jerks mm. back. And so the, the picture he took is a little bit blurry because of it. Uh, so she jerks right as he takes the picture. So he times it quite well there. Uh, and then the next day they, they published this picture in the newspaper. So the first time uh, uh, such a photographic evidence had been, you know, put forth of someone actually, you know, shown being executed by the electric chair. Um, and so, uh, and you know, it ended up getting dubbed the most famous sneak shot in all of journal journalism and also was the reason that after this, people were searched who were going to watch executions uh, to make sure they didn't have any cameras or anything like that. But yeah. he got away with it. Did you, did you look up the photo? I did. Uh, and it's, it's pretty spooky. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, chilling. It is. And so, yeah. Surprisingly good. Yeah, especially, yeah, for, for that and, you know. Yeah, it was a good good shot. But uh, so the nearly forgotten victim, the one that was not often not talked about, is there is that nine-year-old little girl, Lorraine Snyder. She goes home oh, from yeah. a party with her parents at like 2 a.m. She goes to bed, uh. both alive and well. Then like, I think it was 7 a.m., her mom's knocking on the door with her head, waking her up. Uh, and there, there, her mother is bound and gagged. Her father is dead. Uh, and, you know, and so, and Ruth actually also, she declined to say goodbye to her daughter because for one thing... oh. 
I've got her confused with Acid Girl. This is their daughter. No, the Acid Girl was the axe murderer, yeah. other woman who was executed. Yeah, that oh, was okay, cool. Ida, I think her name was. Um, yeah. But yeah, so so she's she's there, and, and Ruth declined to say goodbye to her daughter, and this is probably because it looks like Lorraine didn't actually know her mother was getting executed, um, and she didn't actually know her mother's part in the murder at all either up to this point. Um, she did leave a letter to be given to Lorraine when she was, uh, to quote, old enough to understand, um, to kind of explain things, but no one knows what this letter said. Uh, that was private. Um, and so, and in the aftermath, there was a custody battle. Albert's brother was like, no, no one from Ruth's family is getting this little girl. I'm, I'm going to get her. But Josephine Brown, Ruth's mother was like, well, I've been watching her for a couple of years now already, you know, I've been living in the household, so I will take her. Uh, and so yeah, ultimately the, the daughter was given to Josephine Brown. But yeah, so the, the, there was uh, the issue of life insurance. So as we mentioned earlier, there was one real policy for $30,000 was paid out that did get paid out because it was legitimate. He, Albert, had opened it. Uh, so for four, that's about $435,000 today. But there were the two other policies that at this point were alleged to be forged and then it was later determined was and they totaled about $50,000. So um, yeah, the, those ended up not getting paid out despite you know lengthy battles. And the first policy actually uh, took up uh, by a lot of court court battles and stuff uh, over the whole thing. Mm -hmm. So that ended up not, you know, benefiting Lorraine much at all or Josephine. And I tried to actually find out what happened to Lorraine. Uh, and it turns out there was a woman who was uh, born around the same time as Lorraine with the same name who actually lived in Washington, yeah. like not actually that far away from me. And she died only a few years ago at the age of, you know, whatever, 90, some almost 100. Uh, but I think that's not the same woman. It was like close but some of the other there was mm -hmm. d d uh, disputed birthdays on when Lorraine was actually born, what I was finding. And uh, but it was around that time. But I don't think it's the same because it was like it seemed like it was a little bit too far off, like a half a year or something uh, from any. Okay. But either way, I could not there. I did find on like Ancestry.com or something. There was a reference to the Lorraine that was definitely the right Lorraine Snyder because uh, the, the parents names were listed, but it had no uh, time of death yet. Uh, but that might just be because no one recorded it or something. Maybe she's still alive. It's possible. She would be like, <laughs> really she old. would be like almost 100. She would be like base 99 oh, okay. or 100. Small. It's possible. The other Lorraine Snyder lived in 96 or 97. So, you know, it's, it's not impossible. It's possible. God, that'd be weird. Maybe she'll write in. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That would, yeah, that would be. Maybe well, eventually, if she lives much longer, that would she would start making the news just for that reason. True. But yeah, but at least according to Ancestry or whatever website, they, there was no uh, time of death yet listed. Ancestry website's amazing. Yeah. Like, I, I, got, I fell into like an Ancestry hole because they sponsored us, what, two years yeah. ago? Maybe a year ago. Yeah. And they gave us the free membership, whatever. Yeah. And then I was like, no, nah, I'm paying for this now when it expires. <laughs> it was really like, I, I got into it. Yeah. And then I was like, I have to stop because it's really addictive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... We do have a bonus fact today. Um, do you want to do reviews first? A quick fact and a bonus. Yes, I do, because then people have to listen to them yeah. before we get a bonus fact in. Sorry. Also, people like it when we read out the reviews. It's also a good reminder to go and leave us a review. You can go do that. Oh, we should uh, on iTunes. We should check that now because we probably passed the three hundred for the or four hundred. Which one are we on? I uh, it's three hundred. We most definitely have. We are three hundred and nine reviews. Oh in. well, we gotta announce a well next time. We will announce a winner for mm -hmm. yeah. We will do that. So someone has won a $300 Amazon gift card. Because we said when we get to 300 reviews, we will, in the like we did yeah. it at 100 and 200 and 300. So we're going to go through all of the reviews we can find on all the major platforms. Like the big platforms. Yeah. Android or, or Apple. If you left a, a review on like John's podcasting app that's had four downloads on the App Store, probably not going to count yours yeah. because we can't do that. But if it's on a big one, yeah. we'll choose someone. Yeah. So leave us a review are we going to do it again at 400 it's getting quite expensive i think we should like bump because the 200 to 300 happened pretty quick so we should maybe bump it up to like you know 500 or something you know okay like, it's probably smaller rather than smaller increments because you know <laughs> yeah okay agreed yeah. so uh, 500 reviews will give away 500 yeah okay okay good <laughs> it's a quick business decision made right there <laughs> So leave us a review. If you've left us a review already, you're already in the running for that. So that's good for you, I guess. Um, cool. Leave us a review. Say hi. It doesn't have to be a five star or a four star or a, it could be whatever you like, wherever you like. Anyway, enough of that. I'm going to read the first few because that's the easiest way. And I'm going to rank them by most recent because it reset to most helpful. Tony Danza QSA says... I've been watching the YouTube channel for quite some time, and only recently discovered the podcast. I love the banter between Simon and Devon. 
it's easy to get more of a taste of the guys behind the material being researched. It really balances well with the YT channel. Thank you, Tony. Five stars. Uh, OG killer. Triple, triple, five star. I'm only leaving you this five-star review based on the assumption that we revisit and uh, revisit Teddy and eventually cover Octavian. Is that like the Roman Emperor? Yeah. Is that Roman Emperor? He was pretty amazing. Okay. Are we going to cover him? Might as well. I'm sure there's something I can dig up. Cool. The show is, is five-star worthy. However, failure to keep these promises may make me take your Floyd interpretation to heart. You see, I told you, if I start, you know, thing on the wall too much, people are going to get angry. <laughs> but it is bad. <laughs> Uh, I'll just do one more. Read B117 says, thank you, five stars. I've always loved listening to podcasts uh, to learn while driving or walking rather than listen to music, which is pure entertainment. I find that this podcast is a great balance. I've never found myself bored or skipping around while listening. How was that? that these, were, these were much easier to read than that <laughs> damn Ruth woman's quote. Yeah, she definitely needed to learn to use like punctuation and not um, you know, have one big yes. sentence for the whole paragraph. You're just running on, just just keep on. In running. her defense, she was on death row at the time when she wrote it, so she's got loads of time. Yeah, she's got loads of time <laughs> to read, and this is going to be the last thing people read, probably of you. So. You know who'd make you know who'd make a real effort in their statements like yeah. this, Judd, yeah. <laughs> that legend. What a guy that guy was. Um. <laughs> I'm with Judd. <laughs> Give me my bonus fact. What's up? All right. So, so we, as we mentioned, Martha Place was the first woman to be executed in the electric chair. But it turns out before Martha Place, there were two other women who were sentenced to die in the electric chair. Um, one was named Lizzie Halliday and the other Maria Barbella. Um, and, uh, and they ended up obviously not going to the electric chair. So what? who were these people? Um, so the first one, uh, Lizzie, she, she murdered four people. Uh, she was just kind of an insane person. She uh, And she eventually get, gets caught. She was kind of a serial killer a bit. And she was thought to probably have murdered other people. But either way, she gets sent to the electric chair. But then the governor, Roswell Flower, he decides to change it to life sentence in a mental institution, which is really unfortunate for a nurse named uh, Nellie Wicks. Because Nellie Wicks ends up getting stabbed 200 times with scissors by Lizzie, who obviously uh, ended up killing her. Um, so that, that but uh, otherwise, Lizzie spends her time in the in the mental institution instead of going to the electric chair. So, okay. so next up seems about seems about right. This one, this one is just kind of like uh, uh, again one of the things that like uh, I think a lot of people might sympathize with the woman in this case. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, Maria Barbella, she unlike Wicks mm -hmm. was not crazy at all, and she was happy to admit her crime, and she also did it in front of several witnesses. And what she did was slit the throat of one Domenico Cataldo. And so why, why, why did she want to kill this Cataldo? And so Cataldo, he was courting place, you know, trying to date her and, and, and whatnot. And so eventually he convinces her to go to a boarding house with him. And then supposedly she says, we only have her word on this one because, you know, she murdered him. He was dead. Yeah, uh, yeah. She, he, uh, he drugged her drink in order to get her to have sex with him. Uh, and so they do that. But then afterwards, they end up having uh, an affair for quite some time that way. It's a good start. You yeah, know. They, they continue to go to the boarding house many times over time. And so the whole time, though, Barbella is now trying to get Cataldo to marry her. And he keeps just being like, yeah, I'll do that like later at some point uh, and putting it off, putting it off. And so eventually they uh, she, he basically says, no, I've changed my mind. I don't want to get married. I'm going to return to Italy because they were both Italian. And so he's just going to go back to Italy. And so she she um, Barbella's mother then comes into the scene and uh, and tries to convince Cataldo to marry her daughter. And instead, he says, OK, I'll do it. But you got to pay me two hundred dollars, which is about six thousand dollars today. And then he'll marry her. But what neither the mother nor the daughter knew is that Cataldo was already married and he had children oh. and all that back in Italy. And that is why he wanted to return to Italy to go back to them. Oh, my. Yes. So. Okay. Uh, unfortunately for him, so he's the morning he's about to board the ship back to Italy. He goes to a saloon to go gambling, and it's approximately nine a.m. in the morning when he's doing this. And uh, as you do, yeah, Barbella walks in, and she, in front of everyone, is like, "You're gonna marry me. You're not going back to Italy." And he not only refuses, but according to witnesses, says, "Only a pig would marry you." Naturally, she instantly pulls out a straight razor and slits his throat so fast. That wow. witnesses says, say that he didn't even have time to react. It was just like, 
a flash of a flash of razor and he was you know grasping his throat and not no time to speak like an assassin yeah, she, as you do when someone says only a pig would marry you um mm-hmm. so yeah the whole you know woman scorned thing and all that uh so wow yeah so naturally the public was kind of on her side on this one uh, this was the the late 19th century and all mm-hmm. so uh and and the fact that she ends up getting a trial though and they find her guilty sentenced to death in the electric chair but she couldn't speak English, uh, only Italian. And so this ended up, oh, and the judge actually advised the jury when they were, before they went to find her guilty. Like the judge actually tells them this, and that's not really what judges are supposed to do. So yes. she gets a second trial because of these two factors. And in the second trial, she was found by the jury to be not guilty. The public was definitely on her side on this one. Um, and so she, afterwards, she marries, has a son, um, only to have her husband, apparently the bravest man in the world, tells her he's breaking off the relationship and returning to Italy. Oh. You know, the thing that Cataldo did. Yeah, at least he didn't call her a pig, though, or say only a pig would marry you. Uh, so Yeah, that would be risky. Yeah, he, he got away. Uh, he left and went to Italy. And then, yeah, that was that. She, that was intense. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good bonus value. Yeah. Good bonus story. Yeah, I thought so. Wait, do we have any feedback for today? I, I didn't have any to add, but it's also because we did the episode ages no, ago. And I also forgot. I forgot. There was some stuff I was reading in comments and stuff I wanted to add, but I totally forgot. So next week, definitely there we do go. that. Good. Yeah, we'll we'll we, we'll be returning to a more normal schedule now. You've moved house and everything. Yeah, right? reasonably normal. I do have to finish my um, two weeks finishing, finally getting my pilot's license. So uh, I have to go away for a few days to do that um, to the other side of the state to finish. But we're all there. Good. Good. Good luck. Yeah. It's expensive test. Yeah. Rather not fail it the first time. How much is that test? Uh, all with the with flight, uh, with the instru- with the person who checks you out. Which the funny thing about this, you literally get an envelope of cash and you kind of slide it over to them. Like all nobody mentions, it's impolite to make okay. you and just kind of slide it over. <laughs> what? This is how it's <laughs> done. This I don't know, but that is how it's done. And everyone's like, hey, you don't don't make a mask. They're not gonna like to ask. You just slide over the envelope of cash. Presumably they'll. Go and count it or something. Uh, either, well, for the test. For the test. This is how it's done, not with check or anything. So, anyways. <laughs> this sounds super corrupt. Doesn't it? Uh, so, um, that's how you do it. But th- that, I think, is like six or 700 bucks. But then the rental for the plane and the fuel, I think, I mean, all total, it's going to come out to like close to $1,000. And you have to, if you fail. Don't fail. You have to yeah. take it again and pay again. And so, I'd rather not fail because that's a lot of money either way. How long's the test? Uh, it can be two to eight hours, depending on how uh, rigorous they want to make it. It includes an oral exam, which can be, you know, two to four hours. And then the flight part, uh, which is the easy part. Although there are like ways you can automatically fail very easily. But like as long as you can avoid those things, it's really, I mean, not that hard to fly a plane, really. I'm sure you'll be fine. I'm sure it'll be great. Definitely. By the next time we record, maybe you will have this. No, license, it's two weeks from now, failed. assuming the okay, weather is, is uh, that's the problem is like, I would have been done a couple months ago, but I've literally had like 90% of things canceled because of weather. Well, good luck. Don't screw up. That would be expensive. Should we wrap it up? Sounds good. Cool. Good to talk to you. We'll be back. We've got no idea what's coming next, right? No idea at all. Nah, cool. Oh, wait. No, no, no. I do have a good idea. Oh, Oh, I do. And it's uh, very similar. Well, not similar. It's not a, it's a murder mystery. This one's an actual murder mystery, like a legitimate, no one knows the answer type of murder mystery. And it's really good. And, um, it's one of my, it was one of the first, I think today I found out things I ever researched. This is like, I don't know, it ended up being like 10,000 words or something. Uh, let's see if you could, That's, it, and yeah. you'll, you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about. I'm, I don't want to spoil it, but it's a good one. And I'm, I'm quite happy. I want to revisit it and see if I can dig up any more stuff than from years ago. Uh, it's, it's good. Ah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. I remember this one. Yeah. Uh, if I said the word twice. Yes. You know that, yes. Exactly. Okay, good. It's a really good one. And I want to, yeah, I definitely okay. want to see with my, like, you know, more years of experience, if I can dig up a little more and see if I can come up with uh, something a little more definitive. And, you know, it is one of those that no one knows. It is just sort of a murder mystery uh, type thing that, uh, that it results in something happening twice, um, as you Great. say. Well, with that mystery of a teaser... Tune in shortly for a murder mystery. Yeah, it's really interesting right. and really good. Subscribe, leave us a review, all that good stuff. And we'll see you 
in a week or two. Judd took it like the outstanding man he was. <laughs> <laughs>